Luke, I remember sitting in a coffee shop with you, give or take seven years ago, somewhere in Australia, and we were talking about this idea of bringing like open source principles and practices to the running of an organization. And at the time, you were advocating for this idea of just like, yeah, let's just let's just do it all in the open. Like take the playbooks, take the the practices, take how we would approach sales. And, and the, our framing at the moment was the context of like the agency world and running an agency that way and just like just have it all open source. And I remember I enjoyed that. There were things I agreed with and disagreed with. And it's a conversation that stuck with me and shown up in different ways since. I'm curious, like how do you think about that today? There's always... Jonathan, there's always parts of an organization that must remain private, whether that's you know legally or just uh, in a common sense way. But despite that, I remain uh, dedicated to the to the general concept. One of the ways that an idea like this can seem less crazy is when somebody starts doing it, and when someone starts doing it, it gives you an example that you can point to and say, "Look." I'm not crazy about about this idea that I've had. These people do it. And that's a, a good reason to start doing it, I think, but in and of itself. But, uh, you know, Basecamp are an organization that largely operate this way already as well. So what are the parts that you keep private versus the parts that, uh, that you do in the open? Your, your, your clue is like the common sense bit, right? But like, I, I feel like you have changed a bit in seven years which is totally fair at the time i remember more of like a more radicalized like everything yeah how do you think about that now like how do you decide which parts are like matt let's keep this private versus let's do this in the open i I don't have a particular list in mind just that that you should remain open to it as you as you go through things but some things that are traditionally private i think would be better in the open Uh, one of those is uh, wages how much you pay your staff. I think that's uh, a really good thing to have published and open and available. I think maybe it's a bit of an Americanism to try to hide your wage and not talk about your wage. And that really only serves the employer. It doesn't serve the employee. I've had this sort of conversation with a lot of different people, especially more conservative folks who are all about enabling small businesses. And I am too. I just think that uh, small businesses and startups and larger businesses are almost always better organizations <laughs> when their employees are proud of where they work. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. One of the things I, I like about working with you, Luke, like I, so I, my, I don't agree like on the topic of wages, for instance, having like worked at automatic and having been around that a lot. Like I, my instinct is like, you're right directionally, but there's something about that and it could be my Americanism, right? Like there, there could, like it could just be a cultural difference or just something I'm comfortable or not comfortable with. But like, I'm okay with not agreeing. And then, and then part of like when you're making a decision, for instance, with an organization, then yeah, I don't know. You, you can look at what others have done. There's some organizations that do this in the open, right? Like they're they publish it, and you can look at the the benefits and trade offs and yeah, it's okay. Also okay to disagree on something. Yeah, but you mm-hmm. haven't given me a reason yet, Jonathan. I'm waiting for the reason. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why. 
I can I offer a reason, and I, I feel a little bit bad doing it on the podcast because uh, it's it. more of Bring a personal. I I think that for a lot of people, and and maybe this group of people may possibly include yourself, that their sense of self worth might be tied up with how much they get paid. I would actually include that in my, in in my sense of self as well, but but because of that, because of like a sense of. Um, you know, I'm I'm only doing well if either A, I'm doing my own thing, or B, someone is paying me a lot of money to do their thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think for me that that's been something that I've been working on, you know, personally. And I wonder if it's maybe something that might also be uh, a factor in you not liking open wages because now all of a sudden you're worried that people might judge you uh, based on what they can just freely look up on the internet. Oh. I think that might be close to it. I think I take a bit of an opposite perspective. Uh, and I know people treat you differently when they know. Yeah. Do you think so? That's been my experience. That when people, for instance, if someone knows that you make a lot of money, they they seem to... And maybe one of the things you could argue is that that's just a filter for the type of people that you like want to be working with. Because uh, I, I want to work with people who don't treat me different based on facts about me. Uh, but my experience so far is that's just not how humans work. Hmm. I've not had that experience. Maybe it's because I have so many children. I can always say, oh, you know, I earn this much money, but I have four kids, you know, so maybe that sort of changes things a little. <laughs> that's true. You got four kids, four fantastic kids. How old's your oldest now? 11. Man. <sighs> so this idea of, which it's interesting too, it kind of, for me, having kids because my oldest is 13 now uh it's 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 also changed my perspective on like what i talk about and what i do in the open versus what i don't like i like my kids to understand and i found Mm -hmm. benefits in explaining business to them and and sometimes it's this question of like well how much detail is actually useful for them like i don't mind them knowing uh, a bunch of details, but, and I'll find that like, ah, this is actually not as interesting to them as I thought it might be, or they'll show interest in something that will surprise me. They'll ask me about the mechanic of something or like why a thing works a certain way. And yeah, I think it comes back to, okay, what's my motivation with my kids? I want to teach them. I want them to get the benefit of what they'd have access to through me and in open sourcing something and doing something out in the open. It's like, yeah, what are we doing it for? Is it for us? Is it for the people who, mm. like, is it, yeah, who is it for? Yeah, well, also doing something in the open doesn't mean open source necessarily, just to draw that distinction. And, you know, like, it, oftentimes it looks like blog posts or books being written about the way that you do work. Uh, so it's not always just publishing your uh, your wage scale. It's a bunch of different things. And I think that it really transforms the way that you think about work in general, You know, the way that you think about building a business. Because suddenly it's not just the product itself that you're working on, but it's a whole system. And isn't that really what building a business is? You know, it's almost, you, there's the product, but there's also, there's the business. And your systems and the different uh, approaches that you take, being able to distill that all down, I, I think for me anyway, the way that I think is it, I like to really compartmentalize things and being able to distill oh, these are the processes, these are this, that, then the other. And they're not only that, but I can share them, I can get feedback on them, people can contribute to them. What's not to love? <laughs> 
one of the things that I've found, it's been interesting to go back and read like all that I've been writing over the past like year and a half, two years um, in this sort of Gildenberg context, like some of the, uh, the app store related problems, the guild problems, and to find first changes in my thinking. So I found things, ah, I, I said this and now I think this now, but also things that just hold up well. And for me, there, there was something about the process of doing it in the open that really clarified things for me. I, that's been consistent where it's like, okay, I'm not sure about this. Well, let me put it out there. I'm okay being wrong. I welcome input, but the process of getting it out there, I find it to be pretty difficult, but it's just invaluable on the whole. Yeah, hundred percent agree. That's been, that's been my experience. And maybe in this podcast, maybe in the next 10 minutes or however long we've got left, I can't exactly put that into words, but there is something undefinable there. Well, maybe not undefinable, yeah. but at least in five minutes. So in the, so in the context of building something like Gildenberg, I think I like what you said. Like it's not, it's, there's the product piece of open source, but there's so much about the processes and systems. And when you and I, we've been talking about this for years, that to me has been a key idea from the beginning is like this, I want this to be in the open and we're starting to get closer to, okay, what does that actually look like in practice? And I, I don't know. I think my, my starting point for this is, um, yeah, to think about, okay, who is it for and what's actually going to be useful for them? And, and then there's a prioritization lens as well. Like I could see a whole list of things that, okay, I'd like this to be open and, you have to sort of get to it in an appropriate order, right? Like it's okay to have a backlog of things that, yeah, we'll get to that. We just haven't been able to yet. Right. So what's, why, why did you bring this up with me today, Jonathan? Is there something that you want to get out in the open? Is there something you want to get off your chest maybe? Um, no, I'm just thinking about next steps just in yeah. general where it's like Gildenberg, the pace is picking up. We're bringing more products on board. There's, there's, we're getting like the work is getting clearer and it's bringing back the things that I thought about, things that sort of mattered to me when I started in this direction a year and a half plus ago, where it's like, okay, I want to do this so that, and the so that part is getting closer, where it's like, okay, there's there's about to be some real revenue on the other side of this. That brings back my original like five for the future thinking. And what does that look like to do something like that in the open? What does mm -hmm. it look like to create playbooks based on the work that we're doing? And yeah. there's an infinite amount of work to be done. So where do you prioritize that? I'm just, it's, it's pretty top of mind right now. Well, let me change tack a little. And I've, I've actually recently come to understand exactly what that term means because my son has been doing sailing lessons. And uh, I want to talk about plug-in review. So yeah. as you know, as we've talked about, I am currently a member of the plug-in review team. It's fantastic. Um, and I enjoy it. But we've got a problem, and I want to know what you think we should do about it. Right now, we have an enormous queue. There are 1,739 plugins that have been submitted that haven't been reviewed, that are waiting for a review, right? Wow. And 1,500, over 1,500 of those are older than, older than seven days. Um, and at the moment, we're in the process of reviewing 814 plugins. That wow. is like people who have, you know, we've started the review with them and we're back and forth, right? So there's, we're getting a lot done, but there's so much in the, in the queue, right? In the last month, um, 
we had like 608 you know individual conversations and so that's you know a, a decent amount so given that we're getting so many plugin submissions and we're a volunteer team what should we do to try to close the gap it sounds like you need a bigger team <laughs> i don't know if that's necessarily going to work if there's a lot of onboarding that needs to be done and this sort of thing you know like it's not quite so straightforward and then you got to ensure that each person is doing it for the right reasons and uh ah, you know, sure there's there's a lot of bad actors unfortunately what about the uh, how much have you explored on the automation side of things like because uh, you still there's there's you need a human there's mm. this human a component that's essential to it is there things that are obvious where you can speed yeah. up the time that you are investing yeah i mean there is a lot that is automated already most of our okay. plug-in review is automated and you know we've got all the canned replies in the world and the you know a, a tool that will scan a plugin and tell us everything about it and we've released that publicly but it sort of seems that you know our plugin check plugin doesn't really get very much usage we we get a lot of people submitting with the same sort of set of problems in their plugins constantly it it feels a little bit just at first blush that there's uh, perhaps some deep undervaluing of the work that's being put in by the volunteers because if an author like what's the stakes right it's free there's no like what's the what's the author have Ooh. to lose by submitting no a lot of the time these is people's livelihoods you know a lot of the time this is i'm trying to launch a business and there's a four-month wait before you can even look at my plugin but have it sounds like i'm also hearing you say that they haven't bothered to like carefully review the guidelines or they're not using the tools that are available to them yeah, yeah. What, well, that's the problem is you start to say, well, can you please use BHPCS and make sure that there are no code sniff problems in your plugin or if they are, there are, then they're you know ignored and commented out. But now you've got a whole new uh, de- requirement for developers that they need to be up to speed on. They, they need to be able to install BHPCS and run that in an IDE. That, that's a hard problem. It, I think the first thing that occurs to me that you're doing is to shine light on it. Uh, I didn't know that there was that kind of volume, right? And I think there's people, like the first thing that comes to mind is if people understood more, they might put some extra effort into preparing things to make the time more efficient on behalf of the on behalf of the team. But I don't know, that's a, that's a hard problem. 